All views expressed on this program are opinion. They do not represent Satori Mortgage, NMLS, 4190, or any affiliate. Please consult with a licensed loan officer before making any home financial decisions. Welcome to the Mortgage Talk Show. I'm your host, Steve Conklin, sitting here with Jake Giraffe. Hi, Jake. I'm doing good. How are you doing, Steve? I'm doing good. Again, we're uh, from Satori Mortgage. I always forget that. <laughs> so, as always, we start off with the mortgage buzz. What do we got? All right. Uh, Fed no longer needed to boost economy, and this is from CNBC. Okay, so what we're starting to see now, which is kind of weird, this is what it used to be a long, long time ago, um, is that now people are worried about so many rate hikes mm-hmm. um, and how it's going to start to affect the economy. Um I, you know, basically, I have in here for notes, you know, Trump and a couple other people there, they run, you know, keep, you know, the Fed's keeping rates artificially low, you know, they were buying mortgage-backed securities, they were doing a lot of unique things, you know, to try to stimulate borrowing in an economy and stuff, and, you know, a lot of the, uh, especially the, you know, not necessarily the chairman, but a lot of the other people that sit on the Fred board are kind of basically like, well, you know, now it's time to stop, yep. um, go back to, you know, the free free economy, you know, kind of let, you know, natural rate hikes happen and stuff. Um, at, zero, at what was zero, they had to come up, but now they're kind of more in a place of we've brought them up enough. Maybe it's time to leave it alone a little bit more. Yeah, you know, that's what, uh, you, you know, people. Both, you have both sides. You have some people saying, uh, you know, now it's, now is the time to keep hiking it up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have other people saying that, you know, now it's the time to, you know, let's let's kind of let's let's see how the market kind of shakes out. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be really interesting. I, you know, it's it's kind of I, I kind of picked this article up because we haven't really had this debate in the economy or in, even in the news for you know, 10 years. Yep. So, I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of crazy now that, you know, they're, they're going back to where, you know, they're talking about, you know, and here are the benchmark at 2.7 and 3%. I mean, that's, that's, that's a long ways from zero. So that means that it's, you know, it's getting, it's getting better. Um, and you know, I, I think with anything, I think rates will continue to rise. Mm-hmm. So. Yes. As long as the economy straight stays strong, there's definitely a chance that they'll continue to rise a little bit. Absolutely. Yep. So, you know, if you, if you need to borrow money, now's the time to borrow money. Yep. Cause it could get higher. Yep. yep. Exactly. But the good thing with once the rates get higher, your savings yield more and you yep. know, there's, there's a lot of other things that come with benefits of a higher, higher rate. So it's, it's definitely not the end of the world. Yep. Your savings can actually accumulate to something yeah. a little bit now. <laughs> not 0.001% on your premier checking account. Yeah. <laughs> All right, our next one here is from CNBC as well. Higher mortgage rates, uh, rising prices, costing home borrowers more than twelve hundred dollars a year. Yeah, I thought this was kind of cool. Um, you know, a lot of people ask, kind of how, what, what's mortgage rates do? How does it affect it when it goes up? Um, you know, we don't necessarily see business. Yeah, I guess we see different types of business when rates fluctuate, but you know, our, our obviously there's always people buying houses. But I, I think this kind of has some good good factoids in it here um you know the buyer with $2,500 monthly housing budget lost nearly $30,000 in purchase power um and that's with the rates you know about five percent on average Mm -hmm. which i i don't know it's it's a little high but you know five percent i mean it's definitely it's still definitely normal yeah um 
but yeah, I, I, I think that's 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 kind of crazy, right? Yeah. Thirty thousand. Yeah, and it put, it puts into numbers a little. The four percent to five percent is kind of a little bit arbitrary. Like, what does that mean exactly? And this mm -hmm. puts into you know actual numbers of what that can mean in terms of your purchasing power and with the purchasing power that can be in terms of you know maxing out your debt to income ratio or a bunch of different factors yeah this is uh, another one in here is the home buyers buy about 15 percent of their purchasing power overall so that's um that's that's quite a bit i mean mm -hmm. especially you know because you're dealing with obviously bigger numbers and you know most yep. of them Ra are raising values Raising values plus mm -hmm. the um, lowering purchasing power can really, you know, makes it so you're looking at a different type of home than you maybe imagined a year or two ago. And I think this is going to kind of lead into more of the stabilization of um, of home values too. Um, I I think I think the next few years it's probably going to be a little bit more flatter than it has been because you know like like we say like not only are people losing purchasing power but rates are going up. So I mean the it's probably going to not be as strong as a seller's market again it's it markets depend on where you are and mm -hmm. you know there's no right answer for that but i i definitely feel like you know the i mean i'm seeing people that bought homes three years ago are getting about a hundred thousand dollars of equity in certain places in, in the metro of minneapolis so i mean i would imagine that at some point that's going to level off here yeah. the next next few years but makes sense yep and then i uh previous show we were talking that a lot of economists are thinking 2020 is when it's really going to swing back but we'll see what happens in the meantime yeah as long as it's not a recession yes yeah we could go without that that's for sure <laughs> <laughs> all right uh next article here is uh, bank of america bringing loans back to lower income and poor credit people yes yeah, so you know the the they kind of talk about subprime mortgages and stuff in this article and you know the this kind of goes into other things that we've touched on on the show about the non-qm you know, yeah it's not mm -hmm. only not you know it's non-qm but this is kind of they're kind of running these cool little pilot programs with um like you know they're basically to serve low to moderate income people and this is where they are trying to do the affordable housing mm -hmm. um and you know when the subprime hit and the housing crash happened, I mean, it was, there was just a lot of, a lot of it was due to, you know, inflating income, um, the, the famous no, no income, uh, no job, no, no assets, asset. no Ninja. nothing. Yeah. Th <laughs> those loans. Um, you know, there's just, a, there's so many different types of, you know, so-called subprime loans mm -hmm. that, you know, weren't actually meant for the people that used them. Um, you know, and, where Bank of America is kind of doing these pilot programs, which is kind of interesting, is you know they're they're going more off of it's called in the article it's called a character based lending versus a credit score, mm -hmm. um, and this is like reminds me of like the old school uh, like the small town banker. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> I used to do some rural loans, and it always remind me of people. You know, they just want to drive into their bank and sit down. You know, give the handshake. The handshake. Yep. The handshake loan. Yep. And you know, I, I think. Definitely in a in a housing market and and in lending industry, I I think there's definitely some really good possibilities that that comes with this, especially if you have something like a Bank of America that you know can can afford to do something like this. Um, and you know they like one of the things they said in there is if you know somebody has pretty good credit, decent job history, but they just have tons of medical collections for whatever reason, mm -hmm. they don't count the medical collections. Okay. Which you know they don't do that on standard FHA, but I think that, you know, 
I, I think especially for, you know, certain people don't always have the same, uh, you know, a lot of people have different events in their lives or whatever that, you know, may cause them to, to have certain events. And I, I think that's it's kind of a cool way to give back a little bit. Yep. And, and, you know, one of the things in here that they said that I thought was very interesting is they say that, let's say somebody's paying $1,000 a month for, for rent and they want a mortgage payment that's 1400 Bank of America says that, okay, for six six months, you have to save $400 to demonstrate that you can pay a $1,400 payment. Mm-hmm. That that's that's a very cool, creative way mm. that that you know. Again, it's like that character-based lending that I I think there's there's a lot of room for that. Yep, and I think it just shows the direction of the mortgage industry in general. Is you know, first we saw you know some private money come in for the non-QM and stuff like that, but it's uh, you know we got to go outside of the box a little bit now because we need more people into homes, but we don't want to go back to the pure subprime that we had before where we were making funny loans. Exactly. And and we've talked about on here too, about how, you know, housing legislators and, and stuff like Elizabeth Warren and these other people, they want to, you know, try to, try to pass, pass laws to, you know, to, to really help the, the fixed income and the, the lower income people and stuff. And I, I think this is a good way of, of, you know, kind of like a happy medium. It's not necessarily passing a law that says you have to do this or, or, you know, you're earmarked to a certain amount of money. It's, it's really just, you know, a, a big bank group, you know, going with a local housing initiative and, and getting a creative solution. Mm-hmm. And, and it seems like it's, it's, those are the people that deserve to have it. Absolutely. You know, like when you, when you kind of have, sometimes when you have those, those bigger, you know, legislations and other things, there's people come in there and, you know, just like the subprime before, like there's a lot of predatory, you know, characters and stuff and it. it's not always meant for, it's a good idea, but it doesn't always go to the people that, you know, would, would deserve it. Yep. And, and it's about, uh, and one of the things that's changed since then too, is all of the licensing and stuff like that. It's got a lot of the bad actors and people that are trying to take advantage of people out of the industry. Yeah. It basically hit a big, you know, it's like a, f- toilet flushed <laughs> i think it said like 70 percent of people or something got laid off or left the industry from 2006 so all right well i hear the music so we'll be at, back after the break take your questions selection of outdoor hearth products at Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces. Whether you prefer wood or gas, Woodland Stoves has the fire to fit your home. Pizza aficionados know nothing matches masonry oven baking for capturing flavor and nutrition. Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces can easily install one in your home or business. Enthusiasts use these ovens year-round for bread making, wood roasting, even grilling. The mission and passion of Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces is to make the fire work for you. The way humans relate to fire is primordial. We have used fire to warm our bodies, cook our meals, and kindle our spirits. Our team has the know-how to do this in a clean-burning and environmentally smart way. Visit our store and experience the diversity. We have over 35 working units on display at the corner of Riverside and East Franklin. See us online at woodlandstoves.com. Find the fire that fits and works for you. Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces, out of the ordinary products and services since 1977. 
Hi, Gregory Rich, founder and chief at Habitation Furnishing and Design, and now I'd like to invite you to kill your Sunday evenings with me right here on AM 950 with Drink in the Style. It's a one-hour-long conversation of interior design, art, architecture, and pretty much anything else, visual and aesthetic, all while enjoying some booze handcrafted by our friends at Mill Valley Kitchen. Can you think of a better way to spend Sunday evenings? Drink in the style, Sundays at 5 p.m. Hello, humans! It's Ellie Krug with Ellie 2.0 Radio on Mondays from 7 to 8 a.m., where I talk about being a practical idealist. I want to invite you to a special talk I'm giving, Gray Area Thinking, on Monday, November 5, from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. at the Open Book Literary Center in Minneapolis. I've been giving this talk, Gray Area Thinking, to businesses all across North America. Now I'm offering Gray Area Thinking to the general public. Gray Area Thinking teaches how to be more accepting of people who look different than you or me, or who are LGBTQ or of a different religion. It's work grounded in the teachings of Dr. King and Robert F. Kennedy. I'd love for you to join me on Monday, November 5th at Open Book at 6.30 p.m. To register, Google Eventbrite Tickets Gray Area Thinking or go to elliecrook.com and look for Human is Human Public Events on the menu. Please come and please bring someone. More than ever, our country needs Gray Area Thinking. Hi, this is Ken Hagland, host of the Minnesota Hospice and Healthcare Show, your source for elder care and caregiver solutions, inviting you to listen to our live call-in show airing on Saturdays from noon to one. Each week, we provide answers to important questions regarding elder care and caregiver issues to help you and your loved ones plan for the future and enjoy your best quality of life. Please join us this Saturday from noon to one for the Minnesota Hospice and Healthcare Show and learn more about us at minnesotahospice.com. to the Mortgage Talk Show. I'm your host, Steve Conklin, sitting with Jake Giraffe. As always, we're from Satori Mortgage. How's your break, Jake? A little bit short. A little bit short today, huh? Yep. Uh-huh. That's good for you. <laughs> Keeps me All on right. my toes. As always, we have, uh, we have questions, and I have the answers. All right. Our first question here is, does my spouse's credit score matter? Um, this is a question that is depends on the type of transaction that you have. Um, and situation based. And as situation. Well. Does mm-hmm. your spouse need it to qualify? Um, does your spouse, you know, is your spouse? It basically, a good way to answer that is: if you need the income, then yes. Mm-hmm. If you don't need the income, then no. Um, quite a bit. I, we do loans where you know one or the other might not be on the mortgage. They'll be on the house and the title and stuff, but the mortgage, you absolutely, you know, it it does come down to credit score. They take the you know the the worst worst of the two. So if you know if one has better credit than the other, try to do it under the the better credit. Um, if if you need both incomes, then yes, they they take the lower score. And then uh, every state has different rules in terms of like who's going to have to be on title and stuff like that too. So it's one of those things you you want to talk you want to talk to uh, you know a mortgage expert on it to see what uh, type of things you can do. Mm-hmm. Correct. In most states, if you're married, you you'll have uh, property rights. Um, but yeah, it's it's very popular to to especially if you don't need like I said, if you don't need the income to run it under 
somebody who has better credit than the other. And better credit can also be two from like 700 to 760. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not always like somebody has really good credit and somebody has really bad credit. And sometimes it's, you know, within like 15 points. Yep. Sometimes it's five points that make the difference on, yep. on rate. Yeah, you know, the spout, your spouse has just a little bit better credit score, but it makes enough that they can qualify on their own. You know, just that eighth or quarter percent better rate may be worth it to you. Exactly. All right, our next question. How are you keeping my personal information secure? Well, this has changed dramatically over the past five years and even 14 years. Um, you know, we used to have the lock and key file cabinets um, and, you know, the shredders and all that good stuff. Now it's... We still have, but... Yeah, I mean, it's more of, you know, it's like an antique sitting in the office. <laughs> but now it's actually, it's it's you know, do quite a bit of with the digital security. Um, you know, we personally, we, you know, we do the, the Google stuff, uh, the business package, and it comes with a lot of the securing stuff. Um, you know, it's, everything's encrypted. Um, you know, the, everything's passwords now, and it's, it's pretty much all kept in, you know, the same way a bank would keep the stuff or, or anybody else. It's kept in a, you know, password protected cyber information file cabinet, really. Yep. Yep, that did all digital. You know, there's no uh, paper sitting around and stuff like that. And you know, they, there's also things where you know, I, everybody's a little bit different. I have people that you know won't email me a, a copy of a driver's license. Um, you know, they, they, we have secure portals. We have other ways you can do it. And I have other people that will, you know, they, they'll, they'll send whatever. I'm, I, I'm, I'm kind of under the impression that you know, your your stuff's already out there in the world. Um, I don't know, you know, so I, I think if somebody can get it, they can, but as always, obviously we, you know, any mortgage company has standards that we have to abide by and, you know, it's, it's as secure as, you know, any other place. Yep. It may be even more secure because we, we, you know, we, like I said, we can, you know, hire Google and other companies, whereas, you know, other other smaller banks and stuff, they kind of have to do it themselves. So Yep, and to get approved with um, the credit vendors in our office, go through everything and make sure we had all the proper security measures intact. Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. And, you know, it, it's we take it very seriously. Mm -hmm. um, and But it's it's one of those things that's kind of mind-blowing how it's, how it's over the past five, even five years about how, you know, how, how, how it's changed and how you store documents and how it's, you know, how it's no more than a lock and key, you know, there's no more, and now it's all digital. Yeah, we, we both worked in the days where you had the, the folder, mm -hmm. the left side, right side, and you had to stack everything mm -hmm. a certain way, and, and th those days are gone, and it's now all digital. Thank God. <laughs> all right, our next question here is, does my approval have an expiration date? Yes. All approvals have to have an expiration date. Um, it's, it's the law. Uh, generally... They go off of credit, um, you know, and credit's usually good for 120 days. Most most approvals are good for 90 days. Um, technically, it's probably every 60 days because your pay stubs could be invalid. So, for instance, you know, you you work variable hours or, or there's, there's other things in there, you know, bank statement stuff. Um, but, yeah, all, all approvals have an expiration date. Again, you know, approvals, uh, it's one of those terms where it's like, what, what type of approval do you have? You know, is it a pre-approval letter or is it like an underwriting approval? Mm -hmm. You know, and they both have different 
expiration dates and, and different dates where they're invalid. Yep. And it, and if you're coming up against those expiration dates, just reach back out to your loan officer and they'll see what documents are needed to be able to get you a new one. Mm-hmm. Correct. Our next question here is, uh, are you going to hold this loan or sell it? Um, so we do neither as a mortgage broker. Um, we place you with whatever mortgage lender has the best option for you. Um, and so we technically don't hold or, or sell anything. We're, we're just literally just, uh, you know, just we help people shop really. Um, now, when it comes to a mortgage lender or bank or anybody, um, you know, I used to run into it quite a bit where I people would come to me and then they would say, well, you know, I'm going to go to a certain small bank because they said they will never sell my loan. And I say, well, you know, I've, I've been a member of a certain credit union and they've switched names five times. So mm-hmm. I, you know, nobody ever can tell you that they're going to hold it or sell it. It, it, you know, really, unless you're doing like a, a non, non traditional mortgage, like portfolio or something, then maybe, but you know, pretty much all loans are, are sold and bought as securities on the, on the second market. And, you know, some, some people, some people hold, some people sell. I know Wells Fargo, you know, a few years ago, bought I think what was it, like forty five percent of all mortgages or something on the market, and then you know a couple of years later they just sold them all. So, yep. yep, there's there's definitely some lenders that have more of a reputation to bring it in and sell it right away, and some to hold. But you just really don't know exactly and what's going to happen. Yep, it's really common. And you know the great thing about with you know where we're at and the market and technology and stuff, you know it's it's very easy to to flip over. You know, it's, it's no more, you know, it's pretty much every servicer has the same type of technology. Yeah. And there's, I think there's a bit of laws out there and stuff to make it so that it, you don't run into a lot of problems Correct. when they switch servicers and yeah, they make sure they have to disclose properly. Yeah, really like heavily that. regulated. Like people don't, you know, they're, they don't really mess around and, and majority of the time too, the servicing company is actually not even the person that holds it. They're like a contract company. So they're, it's pretty, pretty similar across the board, but yeah, I guess the the right answer on that is, you know, obviously we don't do it, and anybody that tells you they're going to hold your loan for life, and if it's not a portfolio loan, it's probably not telling you the truth. So it's very common. Okay. Next one here is, should I do an ARM loan, adjustable rate mortgage? Um, yeah, so these are coming back, obviously, with, you know, anytime you get higher rates in the market, they, ARMs are a little bit more attractive. They, they have better better uh better rates than you know your traditional fixed mortgages now arms come in different sizes and shapes you know you have a three-year arm you have a five-year arm you have a seven-year arm and you have a 10-year arm mm-hmm. um you know and it really boils down to sitting with a qualified mortgage professional and saying okay this is my plan um you know some people that do arm loans with me are are very financially savvy and i no doubt that it's the best option for them, but I, other people were, you know, they, they just want that, you know, it's not a tool to use to have the lowest payment. It's a tool to pay the lowest amount of interest. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that's the difference is, you know, if people are looking at the payment, then it's like, well, you might be looking at it wrong. Um, or, you know, it's, it, you know, it, it depends on who it is right yeah well and, and i think a big part of it too is the the arms now are a little a lot of them are a little different than the ones that were responsible for the crash you had the pay option arms there was um, mm-hmm. a bunch of teaser rates and stuff like that the 
I think the hybrid arms that you that you find a lot right now are a pretty good products if it's in certain situations because it is locked for a period of time or fixed for a period of time and then can adjust and there's caps on the adjustments as well yeah you know it's that yeah you're you're right but we're also too you know the arms that have been popping lately you know they're they're coming out of that zero percent like we're talking about with the fed you know so they're they're coming out really really low rates so people on you know, five-year arms right now that are adjustable haven't really seen the shock. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right; they do put caps in, so they can't go from five percent to thirty percent. You know, they they just gradually go up over time, and that can give you, you know, it can give you six months to a year to plan. So, yeah, it, they're definitely a lot better products than they were, and it's definitely something that I, you know, you should definitely ask somebody about. Yep, absolutely. All right, well, that's the show today. Thank you for listening. Again, we're Stephen Jake from Satori Mortgage. Have a great Sunday. All views expressed on this program are opinion. They do not represent Satori Mortgage, NMLS, 4190, or any affiliate. Please consult with a licensed loan officer before making any home financial decisions.